From Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes. We break down the big political news affecting Wisconsin. I'm Chuck Quirmbach, filling in for Mayan Silver, speaking with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. Well, hi, J.R. Happy February, and welcome back to Capital Notes. Oh, thanks for having me. It being February, we're only a couple of weeks away from the Supreme Court primary in Wisconsin. What are the latest happenings in that race? Well, we were seeing the ad traffic pick up quite a bit. Uh, last week, for example, we have, saw Jennifer Doral, the conservative from Waukesha County, uh, running her first TV and radio ads. The initial buy is about $130,000, though more was on the way, it looked like. Um, then we also saw Fair Courts America, which has been backing conservative Daniel Kelly, add about $500,000 in TV to its buy. So it's up to about seven hundred fifty grand so far between TV and radio. And the question I've been asking insiders is, does Doro have enough in terms of her ad buy to offset that spending disparity with Fair Courts America? And the answer has been yes, but with a caveat. And that caveat is, if it all stays positive. If it goes negative, you know, all bets are off. And, you know, for Doro, she's got a combination of things. She's got, you know, air cover right now that she's providing for herself. She's not having the outside groups doing stuff for her, which is, you know, worth noting. But talk radio in Milwaukee is somewhat friendly to her. Maybe not, you know, going to bat for her yet, but at least uh, overall, but at least friendly to her. And you have like Mark Belling, who's, you know, a big figure in conservative talk radio, really hammering on Dan Kelly, Daniel Kelly, to drop out of the race. He thinks he can't win in April. So, you know, add that together and that, that can be a potent force. But what we're watching is, will this race get, you know, nasty, a little, little unpleasant? Um, you're seeing sniping between Kelly and Doro both directly and amongst their supporters. You know, there's a forum uh, last week in which they were asked, would they support the other if they didn't win the primary or get through the primary? And uh, Doro said, yes, she would support Kelly. And Kelly said, no, I, I can't commit to that because he doesn't think that she is tested and doesn't want to have another Brian Hagedorn in the Supreme Court. Now, Brian won in 2019 in part because conservative groups rallied to his support when he was an underdog in that race. But they feel like he has kind of abandoned them, conservatives do, because he's sided with liberals, a number of high-profile cases in the court. So Kelly's going to make this push of, you know, I'm the one who is a tried-and-true conservative. I'm the one that's been tested. And so we're watching to see, does that just turn from sniping into actual negative ads? And, you know, negative ads can be both good and bad. They, they do work, but you also have a risk sometimes that can boomerang back on you and, and cause you some grief. I've already heard from some Republicans who picked up chatter among grassroots, unhappy with Kelly's answer about, support Doro because the race of the court in April is for the ideological balance of the court. If conservatives lose this seat, they lose control of the court. There's a lot at stake there for them and for liberals. The other thing that came up during another of their debates last week was Doro sort of repeating this bit about, I'm the one that can win. That's something you've heard as well? Yeah, there are two kind of camps developing among those who are kind of right of the dial politically when it comes to the Supreme Court race. One is the camp that among conservatives who wants somebody who has been tested, quote-unquote, who they know exactly where they stand on big constitutional issues. Other camp is like, let's just win. We don't care if there are certain like questions or uncertainties. We want to win, and that camp of we want to win kind of leans toward Doro. They think that she is a more attractive candidate in general election, and part of that's because you know Kelly lost already one time. He's appointed the bench by Scott Walker in 2016, ran for a full 10-year term in 2020 and lost by 10 points, I think it was. Now, at the time, 
there was a Democratic primary for president still kind of chugging along. Now, granted, Joe Biden all but wrapped up the nomination, but it was still contested, and that drove turnout. That probably contributed to the results. But you still have this kind of argument from the Doro folks. If Kelly had a shot, as time has passed, we should get behind her. As of this moment, we don't know of any more forums before the primary involving all four candidates. Uh, why is that, do you think? Now, they're communicating through the paid resources. I mean, Everett Mitchell's the only one who does not have any air cover right now. We'll see if that comes sooner or later. Janet Protosewicz, she's put down more than $700,000 in TV. That's a, a healthy buy. In talking to people, there's a perception that Protosewicz is kind of coalescing the Democratic vote, you know, the Dem establishment. You're seeing a lot of unions endorsing her, kind of more come in every week. Uh, she's kind of solidifying that perception that she is in the best spot to merge of the two liberals. If you had to bet your mortgage payment, and how things would go, remember, it's a four-way primary, top two finishers advanced. I think people really are kind of betting on per se what you get through right now as, you know, lock and change in a couple of weeks. They see her as a favor to get through, and then they're kind of watching that conservative side. What what happens there in those exchanges that, that things get negative, and that, does that negativity go public before the primary? Okay, well, we're also only a couple of weeks away from a primary in the southeastern Wisconsin State Senate District, Senate District 8, where Alberta Darling, longtime Republican, has left office. Uh, there is still a four-way primary on the 21st. Uh, some developments there, as I understand it. Yeah, we're starting to see ads fly, um, and they're coming from, in part, from two D.C.-based groups. Uh, one, Republican State Leadership Committee. Uh, looking at filing with the Ethics Commission, they spent about $83,000 on mail, there's seventy thousand dollars on TV. That's all backing Dan Canodal, one of three Republicans running in that primary. There's also a group that was founded in part by former U.S. Rep. Adam Kinzinger called Americans Keeping Country First. They were founded uh, basically to advocate or uh, help Republicans who had voted to impeach Donald Trump after the uh, violence protests at the Capitol on January 6, 2021. They're doing about fifty-five grand in digital ads opposing Janelle Branchen, another Republican. And that primary, that freeway race between those two and Van Mobley, the Thingsville Village president. And it underscores the perception to insiders that the Republican establishment would rather see Dan Canola get through. They think Canodal is a stronger candidate in a general election. And the ads we're seeing from the Democrat, Jody Habish-Sinkin, kind of backs that up because she's elevating Branchen in a way. She has two ads out. Habish-Sinkin does. One is a bio piece, talks about her background. Uh, she'll advocate for keeping communities safe and for a woman's right to choose. Another one features a so, several women talking about abortion and labeling Branchen too conservative, extreme on abortion, that uh, she was pro-life Wisconsin's legislator of the year, whereas Sinekin would protect women's right to choose. It's a classic example of trying to pick your opponent. You're a conservative voter and you see that Janelle Branchen is quote-unquote too conservative. You see somebody promoting her you know, anti-abortion credentials, that might be attractive to you. You might like that. Branching by yourself, we're not seeing much traffic so far in terms of TV or radio. We're not seeing outside groups doing a lot for her yet. But there's a way to kind of try and elevate her for Democrats because they think, again, that if they're facing her, Janelle Branchin, they have a better shot to win, a seat that is really not a swing seat. It is a, it's a pretty Republican seat, not like deep red. You could never win if you're Democrat, but it's in a normal environment, normal turnout. It's not a swing seat. But, you know, in this kind of a race with the Supreme Court race, top of the ticket, um, abortion still a major issue. We're talking a suburban Milwaukee seat where abortion you know, plays. Uh, not great for conservatives sometimes. 
it could help put that seat in play if you have somebody who's not a stronger candidate for Republicans get through that primary. That pick your opponent strategy it came up in some of the races around the nation last year. Um, didn't always work, did it? No, not always. And, you know, you always run the risk, too, of elevating somebody you think is extreme who can still win. You know, I think Democrats look, hey, this is not a seat we should be winning normally. Uh, we are basically going for it. It's not going to switch the majority in the Senate, but it would deny Republicans a two-thirds majority in the Senate if Habits and Lincoln won that race in April. And we had a visit in Milwaukee last week from the chairperson of the RNC Republican National Committee, Vanna McDaniel, ostensibly talking about the upcoming 2024 RNC convention. But uh, she's got some troubles on her hands with the national uh, Republicans, Donald Trump. Not everybody likes him, uh, but he's in the game. Is there an impact of that national uncertainty over Trump among the Republican Party? Is there an impact here right now? Yeah, I mean, McDaniel talked about how they're all going to reunite after the primary and be you know all one big happy family come summer of 2024 and they have a convention here. I don't know that talking to other folks that they think that's a given. If Donald Trump is not the nominee, for example, what's he going to do? There is a train of thought that he might try and tear the whole place down because he's not happy about not being the nominee. If he is the nominee, do you have some Republicans who just have fatigue over Donald Trump and say, not again? You know, I mean, Trump won in 2016, but Republicans lost the House and Senate in 2018. Uh, they lost the White House in 2020. They didn't retake the Senate in 2022. I mean, yes, they won the House, but narrowly. Um, there are a lot of things going on that some Republicans feel like it's time to go from Donald Trump. So there's a lot of questions about how this is going to play out for them between now and next summer that it may be hard to come back together after things all over with. Well, Jr. on the Democratic side of things, President Biden uh, coming to the Madison area this week. What do we know about that visit and what do you think about it? Oh, it's part of a post-State of the Union kind of swing. Uh, he's going to be in Wisconsin on Wednesday, then Florida the next day. Um, he's coming to the Madison area. I mean, look, it's clear that Biden is going to tout the latest job numbers. We saw those on Friday, I believe. A half million new jobs created. He wants to project an image of the economy being resilient. You know, that's been interesting. There were all kinds of talk about whether we'd hit a recession uh, sometime this year. And yes, there were a couple of quarters, of, or at least one quarter of negative growth in 2022. But uh, we ended the year on a positive note. We had this new jobs number. Inflation is still an issue, but Biden wants to talk about the economy being strong because, you know, that's really can make or break his reelection bid in 2024. Granted, he hasn't officially announced yet, right? But we expect him to, all signs are there he's going to, and the economy often drives a reelection bid for a president. In Wisconsin, the Democratic establishment still appears clearly behind the president. Would you agree? Yeah, you know, we haven't seen a Marquette poll uh, for a while to see where the Democratic voters are in general. Uh, the president numbers have not been great in polling that we've seen. But, you know, you don't have to have great numbers to have a close race in Wisconsin or even win. Uh, we've seen that with Donald Trump, right? His numbers were upside down in 2016. He still won the state. In 2020, his numbers weren't great, and he only lost by 21,000 votes. So the economy is going to drive things. If inflation gets under control, if gas prices come down, you know, all these things that have been kind of hurting him, if they turn around by 2024, he could be in pretty good shape. That's, of course, that's also a big if. I'm not an economist, so I'm not going to predict anything that's going to happen to the economy in the next year and a half. Things might be slow at the moment, but things will speed up quickly in February. Uh, thank you very much, JR. Anytime.
That was J.R. Ross of WISPolitics.com speaking with me, WUWM's Chuck Quirmbach. Listen for our segments every Monday and check out the Capital Notes podcast wherever you get your podcasts.